All right, well, open your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 15 this morning. Jeremiah chapter 15. And I will read verse 16. So Jeremiah 15, 16. Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I have been called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. This New Year's Day, I want to challenge each one of you to read your Bible every day in this upcoming year. And uh, I want to challenge you to read your whole Bible through from start to finish um, as well. To do that, we have a Bible reading calendar that we hand out at Trinity. You can pick one up on your way out. There's one uh, for you at the table, also one sent in the, the mail uh, for you, and it'll take you through the, the uh, Old and New Testament, and uh, it'll keep you on the same page with others that are doing the same project at the church. Um, the speed at which you go is not as important as reading every day. And so if you go at a slower rate than reading um, the whole Bible, uh, slow down. Um, use a different uh, Bible reading schedule. If you don't use this one, um, I would say use another one to help you with the discipline of reading um, uh, scripture and read one that will eventually take you through every part of the Bible, even the more obscure parts and not just uh, keep you in your uh, most familiar parts of um, of scripture. This uh, preaching on New Year's reminds me of my grandfather um, because he would give that same challenge every year and uh, also go through this Bible, Bible reading um, calendar. And um, the verse that I just read is one of his favorite verses in um, Jeremiah about eating. Your words were found and I ate them and they came for me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Um, I think of him when I think of that verse, and he certainly is an example uh, of that. He w- was an example of that in his life, in the course that he uh, completed. Um, I chose the verse for um, an emphasis on the Word of God. It's kind of an upbeat verse. Um, uh, your words were found, I ate them. Your words came for me, the joy and the delight of my heart. What I didn't know and I learned by preparing for this message, is that uh, when Jeremiah said this, he was so discouraged that he was about ready to quit when he uh, when he wrote these uh, words. Um, th- this verse is found right in the middle of six psalm-like testimonies that are scattered throughout Jeremiah chapters 11 through 20. There's six passages like these, and um, this verse is found in um, one of those. They're sort of like Psalms. They're testimonies. They're personal testimonies of uh, Jeremiah. And um, I'd give you the reference for all six. It'd be kind of awkward even for the fastest note takers uh, among us. So instead, I've, I've listed them in the tableau. So if you look on the front side of the tableau, you'll see all six of those um, passages that are uh, listed in uh, Jeremiah. They're Psalm-like because they're prayers they're windows into Jeremiah's innermost soul. So they're very intimate. They're actually very raw. Um, some, some parts of them are not pretty. Um, and uh, they're really sort of six cries of pain to God. So it's an upbeat passage, you know, about the joy and rejoicing of my heart. But when you read it in context, it's actually part of a cry of pain. Uh, in some of these um, six um, passages in Jeremiah, God's response is recorded right afterwards. So Jeremiah will make a complaint 
to the Lord and the Lord will respond. In others of them, there's no recorded um, response. In all of them, the trouble is occasioned by the people that Jeremiah is living with. It's occasioned by his countrymen. And so the, their wickedness, Jeremiah lived in a wicked time at the end of um, Judah's um, kingdom before they went into exile. And uh, it was a time characterized by wickedness and their wickedness put Jeremiah at odds with the people and it wore him out. It dragged him down emotionally, spiritually, it dragged him down in more ways um, than one. In every single one of these six passages, these six heartfelt prayers where Jeremiah just pours out his heart um, to the Lord, he asks God to be vindicated in front of the people, his enemies, his countrymen who are rejecting his uh, ministry. And uh, even perhaps in a bit of frustration, he calls for vengeance, really, in um, in all six of these um, uh, passages. Well, I said the trouble in all six of these passages is the people that Jeremiah is uh, living with in the land, and uh, that's very clear in all of them. But sometimes in, in uh, uh, some of these passages, um, there's a very concrete occasion mentioned along with Jeremiah's lament. And let me show you, and this will give you just kind of a flavor in a concrete way of what Jeremiah was dealing with in his time. So uh, let me read just three of these. Jeremiah chapter 11 and verse 21, it says, Uh, the, the men of Anatoth seek your life and say, do not prophesy in the name of the Lord so that you will not die at our hand. And so these were uh, actually the people that Jeremiah grew up with. It's his home village. And so they're seeking his life. They're trying to intimidate him, telling him not to uh, speak the word of God anymore. Uh, Jeremiah 18 and verse 18. Then they said, and this is the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem, they said, come and let us devise plans against Jeremiah. Surely the law is not going to be lost to the priest, nor counsel to the sage, nor divine word to the prophet. Come on and let us strike him with our tongue and let us give no heed to any of his words. And so they're saying, yeah, he's, he's prophesying all this doom and gloom. It's never going to happen. And let's, uh, let's, let's uh, uh, strike at him. Let's make plans that he doesn't know about and uh, strike at him uh, with our words. And then finally, um, Chapter 20 and verse 1 and 2, when Pashur, the priest, the son of Emer, who was chief officer in the house of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, Pashur had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put him in the stocks that were in the upper Benjamin gate, which was by the house of the Lord. Um, you might think of people that you'd like to uh, be like in scripture. Jeremiah had a rough row to hoe. Um, and so here he, he spent a night actually in uh, the stocks in uh, public because of this man, uh, a pastor who rose up against him. And so this is what Jeremiah was up against. This was uh, the people that Jeremiah uh, lived uh, among. And maybe as you look ahead to the new year and you see darkness prevailing all around us, kind of in new ways uh, recently, you see wickedness on uh, the rise Makes you feel like a stranger in your own country, country where you uh, once felt at, at home. And so um, perhaps you're discouraged, perhaps you're worn out, perhaps you're tired. Uh, maybe you're so discouraged, you're ready to quit. Maybe you're so discouraged, you've been dragged down into the darkness yourself uh, in some ways. And uh, if so, then this the purpose of my message this morning is that you would persevere 
with joy in your heart uh, in God's word in the year 2023. Well, we don't have time to look at all six of Jeremiah's um, uh, prayers that are in uh, these uh, chapters, his complaints, but we'll look at one, we'll look at the whole thing, that um, the verse that I read at the beginning is found in, in chapter 15. And uh, actually, I'll take the opportunity as we go through this to branch off where it touches um, some of the other of the six um, that are in where it's parallel uh, to the others, and I'll, I'll point you to that. So uh, let me give you let me give you an outline in three parts. First, we'll look at Jeremiah's complaint, and that's in chapter 15, uh, verse 10 to 18. Then we'll look at God's response, and that's in verse uh, 19 to 21. And then we'll go back and uh, revisit our verse. Uh, verse 16, after we see it in conflict, that that uh, seemingly upbeat uh, verse, and uh, we'll look at that uh, at the end of the, the message and begin our new year together on that note. So first, um, Jeremiah's complaint. And uh, I told you that Jeremiah was discouraged about living in the midst of Israel in, in this dark time. And uh, this first verse of this um, prayer to the Lord, tells you how discouraged he really was. He was as discouraged as a person can get. So chapter 15 of Jeremiah and verse 10, Woe to me, my mother, that you have borne me as a man of strife and a man of contention in all the land. I have not lent, nor have men lent money to me, yet everyone curses me. And so the woes that Jeremiah has been pronouncing on Israel as part of his calling as a prophet, he turns it on himself. He says, woe to me, woe to me. Uh, and then he, he uh, speaks of his own mother to say, I wish my mother hadn't given birth uh, to me. It would have been better for me if my mother hadn't given birth to me, if I would have died uh, in, uh, in, in the womb. And so he uh, wishes for um, his own death, wishes he wouldn't have to, wouldn't have to put up uh, with all this. Um, I, I think uh, even, even in the, Parts uh, of these passages where Jeremiah prays for vengeance uh, on his own people, I think he's sort of not himself. I think he loved the people that he was with, like Paul did, and he wept uh, over them. And uh, this passage makes me think that, you know, this wasn't Jeremiah at his best. <laughs> this is Jeremiah when he hardly even wants to live. Uh, that's uh, And he just brings it before the Lord uh, in this. But he, he speaks of uh, wishing for his own death, uh, wishing he wouldn't have had to see uh, what he's experiencing. Woe to me, my mother, that you have borne me as a man of strife and a man of contention to all the land. And so he says, I'm a man of quarreling. I'm always arguing with people and I'm getting, I'm getting tired of it. I'm, an, I'm a man of strife. That's what my mother uh, bore is a man of strife. Jeremiah returns to this in another uh, passage in these uh, 10 chapters and another one of his uh, complaints to the Lord. He, he puts it even more, um, Poignantly, chapter 20, verse 14. Cursed be the day I was born. Let the day not be blessed when my mother bore me. Cursed be the man who brought the news to my father, saying, A baby boy has been born to you and made him very happy. Let that man be like the cities which the Lord overthrew without relenting, and let him hear an outcry in the morning and a shout of alarm at noon, because he did not kill me before birth, so that my mother would have been my grave and her womb ever pregnant. Why did I ever come forth from the womb to look on trouble and sorrow so that my days have been spent in shame? So uh, Jeremiah is at the end of uh, his rope 
here as he comes uh, before uh, the Lord. He says, back to our passage, verse 10 of chapter 15. He says, I have not lent, nor have men lent money to me, yet everyone curses me. He speaks of two practices that can cause strain, even between friends, and that is borrowing money or lending money. And if you ever do that and things go a, a wrong way, something unexpected happened, or there's a misunderstanding, it can you can lose a relationship uh, of that. And, and so Jeremiah says, I haven't done that. I haven't lent money to anybody. I haven't borrowed money from everybody. But it's not just a few people uh, who curse me. It's everybody. It's everyone in the land who is uh, cursing me. I have not lent, nor men lent money to me, yet everyone curses me. Well, Jeremiah is at rock bottom. The Lord responds to Jeremiah in the next verses with a promise of total vindication before those who oppose him. Verse 11, the Lord said, surely I will set you free for purposes of good. Surely I will cause the enemy to make supplication to you in a time of disaster and a time of distress. And so um, he promises Jeremiah uh, vindication. And then he indicates the circumstances that are going to compel the people um, to do this, to, to make supplication before him in a time of disaster and a time of distress, for there to be a reversal um, uh, between Jeremiah and uh, the people. And so he says this, verse 12, Can anyone smash iron, iron from the north or bronze? Your wealth and your treasures I will give for booty without cost, even for all your sins and within all your borders. Then I will cause your enemies to bring it into a land you do not know, for a fire has been kindled in my anger. It will burn uh, upon you. Okay, this is a little bit hard to catch, um, but he, he asked this question about, can anyone smash iron, and iron from the north, or bronze? And he's speaking of the coming Babylonian invasion. And he's saying, it's coming. There's nobody that can do anything to stop it. It's coming inexorably. Resistance is futile. You can't break the iron might of uh, the Babylonians. Uh, it's coming. And so he speaks about uh, not being able to smash iron, iron from the north. This is what's going to happen actually in Jeremiah's own time. And it's going to cause the people who are Jeremiah's implacable enemies to, to make supplication to him and uh, for him to be vindicated in their, um, in their sight. And then um, in verse 13, the Lord, he's speaking to Jeremiah, but he makes a kind of an abrupt uh, transition from addressing Jeremiah to addressing the nation. And uh, that makes sense. Both Jeremiah's complaint and God's answer to him are all in reference to the people. And so it's now he's speaking in verse 13 to the, the people of Israel. Your wealth and your treasures I will give for booty without cost, even for all your sins and within all your borders. Then I will cause your enemies to bring it into a land you do not know. For a fire has been kindled in my anger. It will burn upon you. And so um, he's... Um, Telling Jeremiah, the disaster that you are pronouncing on these people, it's going to come. It's going to come. Nobody can do anything to stop it. And uh, then he says to Israel, because of your sins, all of your wealth, all of your treasures, it's going to be carried into uh, another land. Well, God's answer to Jeremiah at this point didn't bring peace to Jeremiah's mind. And so his complaint continues in uh, verse uh, 15. In verse 15, and let me read verse 15 to 18. You'll see our, our kind of upbeat passage about joy in the heart because of God's word. But what I want you to see is that it's part of a, a cry of pain. So let, let, let me read verse 15 through 18. You, and this is Jeremiah speaking. You who know, O Lord, remember me. 
Take notice of me and take vengeance on me for, for my persecutors. Do not, in view of your patience, take me away. Know that for your sake I endure reproach. Your words were found and I ate them, and your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I have been called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. I did not sit in the circle of merrymakers, nor did I exult. Because of your hand upon me I sat alone, for you filled me with indignation. Why has my pain been perpetual and my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Will you indeed be to me like a deceptive stream with water that is unreliable? Uh, so uh, when Jeremiah speaks of your words were found and I ate them and they were the joy and rejoicing of my heart, he's certainly remembering something pleasant uh, that he's experienced in God's word. But actually, when you put it together with the verses around it, that's actually just one half of a stinging dilemma that he's bringing before the Lord in uh, in prayer. He uh, looks back on um, the time when he found God's words. He ate them. His words became uh, joy and rejoicing in his heart. He's reflecting back probably um, when he was first commissioned. And uh, it make, that's told for us in chapter 1 of Jeremiah. It makes a point that Jeremiah was commissioned to be a prophet when he was very young. And so he re- rethinks he relives some of the exhilaration of that moment. Uh, but uh, he, he points out, at, as he's recalling it, he points out that that very thing, the fact that he loves God's word, the fact that he has it in his heart, has made him an oddball in his society. It's made him alone in his society. It's made him set apart. It's made him not fit in with those uh, uh, around him. And so he says uh, in the next verse, I did not sit in the circle of merrymakers, nor did I exult. Because of your hand upon me, I sat alone. You know, this joy that I found in my heart in God's word, it's been an isolating thing for me. I've I've sat alone for you filled me with uh, indignation. And here's the conclusion to the whole thought that he's making in verse uh, 15, where he's asking God to remember him. Um, and uh, vindicate him. And then he, he brings in the whole complaint. Your words were a joy to me, and then I found them. To, it, it makes me alone. It makes me where I, I don't fit in anywhere uh, because you filled me with indignation. He brings it to, to the conclusion in verse 18, the whole thought. It concludes here. Why has my pain been perpetual and my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? And so this uh, joy that he had with God's word was a doorway to pain. And he uh, refers to it like a, a wound that won't heal that you get. And it just keeps on opening and reopening and getting infected again. And it, it won't uh, heal. And uh, so what had been a joy to him in his heart, he's complaining to the Lord. Now it's like an incurable wound uh, that brings uh, difficulty and pain uh, to him. Why has my pain been perpetual? My wound incurable, refusing to be healed. And then probably expressing here the depths of his despair, the limit of his despair, he says this, will you indeed be to me like a deceptive stream with water that is unreliable? He says, Lord, are you playing a trick on me? Uh, you, you gave me your word. It was the joy and rejoicing of my heart. And now it causes me pain. Lord, are you to me like a deceptive stream with water that is unreliable? And so he refers to this deceptive stream or lying stream, an unreliable stream. And what is that? What is that? Well, that's a a, um, a stream. It's flowing in uh, March and April when the rains come. And then you come to August when you need the water the most and there's no water there. 
it's gone. And so it's referred to in, in uh, scripture in a couple places as a, a deceptive stream. It's a lying stream. And so he's asking that, Lord, is, is that what you are to me? I thought, I thought I had found uh, the joy and delight of my heart and then time passed and it wasn't there uh, anymore. Are you to me a deceptive stream with water that is unreliable? Um, Job has a really vivid description of the same image. Job, Job says his, uh, not God, but uh, his three comforters are like a deceptive stream. You know, they sat down with him for a while and he thought that he was going to get great comfort uh, from them. But he says, Job chapter 6 and verse 15, my brothers have acted deceitfully like a brook, like the torrents of a brook which vanish, which are turbid because of ice and into which the snow melts, that's the winter runoff, and when they become waterless, they are silent. When it's hot, they vanish from their place. The paths of their courts wind along. They go into nothing and perish. The caravans of Tima looked. The travelers of Sheba hoped for them. They were disappointed, for they trusted. They came there and were confounded. So there's a vivid picture of waters that seem to promise water. The caravan travelers remember where it is. They come and they're disappointed. They trusted in this uh, brook. And uh, it's not there uh, anymore. And so uh, Jeremiah says to God in his complaint, maybe at his worst moment here, is that what you are to me, Lord? Are, are you a deceptive uh, a stream to me? Uh, it's interesting. Jeremiah uses this uh, picture. And in using it, he becomes guilty of the same sin that he's accusing the people of. You remember he um, accused the people of uh, forsaking a fountain. Of living waters. That's um, Jeremiah chapter two, and um, let me read it. Jeremiah chapter two. You'll remember this too. Verse um, twelve. Be appalled, O heavens, at this, and shudder. Be very desolate, declares the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And uh, Jeremiah returns to that, even in our uh, section, Jeremiah 17, 13, same thing. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away on earth will be written down because they have forsaken the fountain of living water, even the Lord. And now Jeremiah is doing the same thing. He's forsaking the fountain uh, of living water and accusing God of being a deceptive, uh, a deceptive stream. Well, that, um, same idea, um, that complaint to the Lord pictured in that vivid way, it, it kind of recurs in these six passages where, um, Jeremiah questions the Lord. So for example, Jeremiah 11 and verse 19, he says, I was like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter. I did not know that they had devised plots against me, saying, Let us destroy the tree with its fruit, and let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name may be remembered no more. And so uh, Jeremiah says, I wasn't ready for this. I was like a a lamb, uh, and I didn't know that the people were devising plots uh, against uh, me and saying, Let's just end this prophecy. We'll cut off the fruit of Jeremiah's prophecy by cutting down the tree, cutting down Jeremiah. And uh, being done with this uh, that's bo- that's bothering us. Uh, and then it, it shows again um, at the, the last, the sixth, and maybe the culminating of these complaints of Jeremiah, um, where he expresses the same thought about the Lord being a deceptive stream, except he expresses it really point blank. Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 7. O Lord, you have deceived me. 
and I was deceived. You have overcome me and prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all day long. Everyone mocks me. For each time I speak, I cry aloud. I proclaim violence and destruction. Because for me, the word of the Lord has resulted in reproach and derision all day long. But if I say I will not remember him or speak any more in his name, then in my heart it becomes like a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I'm weary of holding it in, and I cannot endure it. For I have heard the whispering of many, terror on every side. Denounce him, yes, let us denounce him. All my trusted friends watching for my fall say, perhaps he will be deceived so that we will prevail against him and take our revenge uh, upon him. So again, he's, he says to the Lord, and he, he makes a very straight accusation to the Lord in, in verse 7, Lord, you've deceived me, and I was deceived. You've tricked me. This isn't what I thought the ministry was going to be. This isn't what I thought I was getting into. And then he explains his dilemma. If I speak, my listeners abuse me, and if I'm silent, I'm miserable. I have no peace. It's like a fire in my bones and I, I have to uh, uh, speak uh, speak it. And so he's speaking of this dilemma, the same that he is in our passage too. The, the joy in his heart is just one side of that uh, dilemma and it makes him miserable like he's got an incurable uh, wound. He says, uh, even my trusted friends, he says uh, in verse 10, all the men of my peace is literally what it says are watching for me to make a false step and be tricked uh, by God. They're watching for my fall uh, and saying, perhaps he will be deceived. That is, deceived by God. The very same thing that uh, Jeremiah, he's kind of joined them in saying that and then accusing the Lord of uh, deceiving him. Well, that's Jeremiah's complaint. Is it yours? Do you feel as he did? Do you feel alone? Do you feel outnumbered uh, in the world uh, around us? Well, listen to God's response to Jeremiah. We're back to our passage, chapter 15, chapter 15. And uh, this is the, it, there's a final response given of the Lord, Jeremiah 15 and verse uh, 19. It's after this uh, sort of accusation of the Lord of being a, uh, like a deceptive uh, stream. Therefore, thus says the Lord, if you will return, then I will restore you. Before me, you will stand. And if you extract the precious from the worthless, you will be my spokesman. They, for their part, may not turn to you. But as for you, you must turn to them. Um, four times in God's response, he uses the word or a form of the word to turn. And it's a really it's a really simple uh, Hebrew word. But it's the word repent. It's the word repent. So uh, it's used for uh, return. It's used for the word restore in a little different form, but it's used four times. Um, Therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return, if you repent, Jeremiah, then I will restore you. And he uses the same word for uh, turning. And then at the end of the verse, for on their part, they may turn to you. But as for you, you must not turn to them. And uh, I think the Lord intends this very obviously to use this word for Jeremiah that he's used so many times to the people, he's told them, repent. You need to repent. That, that's really his message to the people. And he's used that word uh, almost countless times uh, to the people. And now he needs to use it on himself. Repent. That's what the Lord uh, says uh, to him. If you, if you repent, then I will uh, uh, restore you. And so he's, and then he tells them, uh, Jeremiah, it's not for you to turn to the people, it's for them to turn to you. But that's what you've done. You've turned to the people, 
by uh, by doubting me, by doubting me, by saying I've uh, deceived you. Uh, you're you're uh, joining the people, and you need to repent. You don't need to turn to them; they need to turn to you. And so, in in Jeremiah's complaint uh, against the Lord and his lack of faith, uh, he had joined uh, the people. The Lord rebukes him. I think not for coming to the Lord and bringing it to the Lord in prayer. I think that was a good thing uh, that he did, but he rebukes him for his uh, unbelief here. And he uses this word uh, uh, to uh, repent. Um, let me show you another place in these six passages where the Lord gives Jeremiah another gentle rebuke when Jeremiah uh, complains to him. It's uh, Jeremiah chapter 12 and verse 5 and 6. Here's where the Lord answers him. If you've run with the footmen and they have tired you out, then how can you compete with horses? If you fall down in a land of peace, how will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? For even your brothers in the household of your father, even they have dealt treacherously with you. Even they have cried aloud after you. Do not believe them, even though they may say nice things to you. Um, you've heard the expression, you can, if you, what is it? If you can't run with the big dog, stay on the porch. And the, the dog should stay on the porch and bark. Um, and it's kind of a similar, he gives a couple of sayings that are kind of similar to that same uh, idea. Uh, he says, if you've run with the footmen and they've tired you out, then how will you able to, how will you be able to compete with the horses, Jeremiah? And then he says this, if you fall down in a land of peace, how will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? If you're, if you're already worn out in a cultivated land, how are you going to do in the thicket of the Jordan, the jungle where there's uh, lions uh, that are there um, as well? And so uh, Jeremiah is complaining to the Lord and the Lord is sort of saying, cheer up, Jeremiah, the worst is yet to come. Um, he says, uh, Jeremiah's tired of being at odds with people. And so the Lord tells him, get ready because it's not just going to be the people, but even your nearest friends, uh, even your family members will deal treacherously with you. And he speaks of it as if it's uh, past tense. Even your brothers, the household of your father, even they have dealt treacherously with you. Even they have cried aloud after you. Don't believe them. Don't put your trust in them, but you put your trust in me, Jeremiah, even if they say nice things. Uh, to you. And uh, the Lord uh, told Jeremiah not to trust in men, but to trust in him in this. And actually, the Lord is going to raise up friends in unexpected places for Jeremiah, like Baruch or like uh, Ebed-Melech, the Cushite, who comes in uh, later in uh, the book. So uh, it's, a, it's a rebuke. It's a rebuke, kind of a gentle rebuke, I think, to uh, Jeremiah, the Lord's uh, prophet, who's uh, worn out as he takes, um, as he as he does his uh, his ministry. So back to our passage, chapter 15 and uh, verse uh, 19, the Lord uh, tells Jeremiah to repent, and actually the way he puts it, he's giving him a second chance, or a third chance, or a fourth chance, or a sixth chance, I think. Uh, uh, and, and he's actually sort of recommissioning him, uh, recommissioning to his uh, call. If you return, if you repent, if you believe again, if you repent of your unbelief, uh, your thoughts that maybe God's trying to trick me. Maybe God's like a, like a stream that flows for a while, and when I need him the most, the water's gone. Uh, if you repent of that and believe uh, again, then I will restore you. And before me, you will stand and you will be my mouth. You will be my uh, uh, spokesman. And so it's kind of a recommission of uh, Jeremiah's call. And uh, I say that because of what he says in sort of offering him 
another chance, but also because what the Lord says to fortify Jeremiah for the ministry ahead is the same thing that the Lord told Jeremiah when he first commissioned Jeremiah for his call. So look at verse uh, 20 and uh, 21. Then I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze. And though they fight against you, they will not prevail over you. For I am with you to save you and deliver you, declares the Lord. So I will deliver you from the hand of the wicked and I will redeem you from the grasp of the violent. What he promises, Jeremiah, he says, I want you to repent. I want you to keep on being my prophet. I want you to keep on doing the ministry that I called you to do. And then he says, I will give you protection from the people that are wearing you out. Uh, I will make you a fortified wall of bronze, though they fight against you, though they will not prevail. They will not prevail over you. And then here's the best part. For I am with you. I'm with you to save you and deliver you from the hand of the wicked and the grasp of the violent. Should have sounded familiar to Jeremiah because that's what he heard uh, when he was first uh, called uh, to be a prophet. So chapter one, chapter one, verse 17, this is when the Lord first came to him as a youth. And uh, this should sound uh, familiar because it's just like what the Lord says to him here in chapter 15. So chapter one, verse 17, now gird up your loins and arise and speak to them all which I command you. Do not be dismayed before them or I will dismay you before them. Now behold, I have made you today as a fortified city and as a pillar of iron and as walls of bronze against the whole land to the kings of Judah, to its princes, to its priests, and to the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they will not overcome you for I am with you. I am with you to deliver you. And so it's uh, the same promise. You know what? Jeremiah needed to hear it again. The same thing. So he restores him. He tells Jeremiah to keep going. And he tells him uh, uh, the same uh, a promise. That's what Jeremiah needed to be restored to the ministry. And that's what you need too. That's what this church needs. The same promise to know God is with you. God is with us as a church. He's going with us and he will uh, protect us. And so you find it in um, the Lord's call to Jeremiah. You find it in the Lord's answer uh, in chapter 15. I am with you to save you. You find it um, in the final complaint that Jeremiah makes in this section, chapter 20, when the Lord answers him from it. And then Jeremiah says, um, Jeremiah 20, verse 11, but the Lord is with me. He finally breaks through that. The Lord is with me like a dread champion. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will be utterly ashamed because they have failed with an everlasting grace that will not be forgotten. And this leads Jeremiah then, even in his complaints, it leads him in a couple of places to worship, to worship the Lord. That's what he's gotten from these uh, complaints, these prayers to the Lord. Like chapter 20, verse 13, sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has delivered the soul of the needy one from the hand of evildoers. Or chapter 17 and verse uh, 14 uh, where it says, heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me and I will be saved for you are my praise. And so uh, the Lord restores joy to Jeremiah by, by uh, giving him this promise. I'm with you. I'm with you to protect you. So is that what you believe? Do you believe the Lord is with you right now? The Lord, that the Lord is with us. Do you have the sense that the Lord is with you? And if not, why not? And if not, how do you get it back? How do you get the, back that sense, the courage that comes from that, that the Lord is with you uh, to protect you in every way? 
We've seen Jeremiah's complaint. That was verse 10 to 18 of our passage. We've seen God's response. That's verse 19 to 21. And now let's revisit, let's revisit, um, our verse, um, in Jeremiah 15, 16, after kind of seeing it in context. I hope you see it in context. Now it was a, it seems like a very upbeat verse, doesn't it? And it is, uh, but it's, it's in that context of Jeremiah present, presenting his complaint to the Lord when he's out of gas, when, when, it, when he's, uh, on his last leg, uh, when he's at the end of his rope and, uh, presenting, uh, one side of a dilemma. Lord, this was supposed to be a joy to me, I thought, and now it's not a joy to me. And, and so he's, uh, 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 presenting it, uh, there, uh, Chapter 15, verse 16, your words were found and I ate them and your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I have been called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. We said when we um, went through this um, the first time that maybe Jeremiah was kind of casting a backward glance to uh, the beginning of his ministry when he said your words were found and I ate them and they became a joy and the delight of my heart. And he was sort of recapturing some of that as he draws up his complaint to God. But uh, the Lord spoke to him. When the Lord spoke to Jeremiah as well, he told him to go back to the beginning. In fact, he told him the same thing that he told him at the, at the beginning. And so I think we're probably on the right track in thinking this refers to the beginning of uh, Jeremiah's ministry. And so the Lord tells him the same thing he told him at the beginning. And he's telling him, go back to the beginning. Go back, go back uh, to, um, uh, and go back to, your delight in my word. That's where this, that's where this courage is going to be regained. That's where you're going to remember again, I'm with you and your heart is going to be restored to, uh, praise. And, uh, it's the same for you. The harder the circumstances is, the easier it is to lose sight that the Lord is with you. And when you lose sight of that, that's when you need to fortify yourself with God's word. That's where it's to be found is by, by doing, he, the Lord is saying to Jeremiah, what you did before when you ate my words and became the joy and the delight of your heart, that's what you need to do again. And that's how, that's how you will regain your equilibrium. That's how you'll be able to persevere in uh, your ministry. It's through my words. So your words were found and I ate them and your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart for I've been called by your name. O Lord God of hosts, your words were found. Your words were found. And notice how Jeremiah speaks of it. It's from the outside in. I found something outside of myself. Uh, when you, uh, when you're in God's word, it's not an exercise in self-discovery. And I hope this year you'll be in God's word more than you were last year, um, in 2023. But when you're, uh, in your, in God's word, when you're reading his word, discovering his word, following this uh, uh, calendar or following a, a different one, it's not an exercise in self-discovery. You're not finding out what makes you tick. You're not even necessarily finding out what makes you sin or what makes you happy. You're finding something that's totally outside of yourself. And so as you're reading God's word, you'll find something that surprises you. You'll find things that perplex you. You don't know what they mean. Uh, you'll find things that uh, amaze you. And, and this is the way Jeremiah speaks of it too. Your words were found. I found something I didn't know before. And I found something outside of myself. Your words were found and I ate them. He doesn't say your words were found and I read it. Or your words were found and I learned it. 
He says, your words were found and I ate them. I digested them. I, I trusted in them. I took them in. I, I, I made your words uh, to be mine. Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became for me a joy and delight in the of my heart. I said it, the the process of this starts outside of Jeremiah. I found I found something that I didn't know before, and it's it's uh, your word, uh, totally outside of myself. But it ends up affecting his most innermost being. <laughs> your words were found, and I did eat them. And your words, the thing that I found outside of myself, became inside of me the joy and the delight of my heart. And what is it that was the joy and the delight of, of Jeremiah's heart? This, this, and, and this is something he learned from God's word. I have been called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. What Jeremiah found in God's word is this promise that the Lord reiterated to him uh, in our passage. I am with you. I am with you. The Lord links his name with those who are believing in his word those who are taking his word into their heart and eating uh, his word to the point that he says, I'm with you. I'm together with you. If you fall, I fall. If you're dishonored in the end, I'm dishonored in the end. The Lord says that. And it's the Lord God of hosts who says this to Jeremiah. The Lord has a well-known concern for his name. And Jeremiah says, the joy and delight of my heart is that when I take your word in, I discover it. I take it in uh, f- uh, for myself. I find that you're with me and because your word tells me that and I believe it. And uh, so I'm called by your name. I'm put together with your name and with your very presence, O Lord God of uh, hosts. When we take the Lord's Supper in just a few moments, you're going to do the same thing, uh, almost in exactly the same way. You're going to uh, hear words and the words are actually going to be pictured for you by the bread and uh, the cup, your words were found and I ate them. I took them in uh, to myself by uh, by faith. And uh, your word became for me the joy and delight of my heart, for I've been called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Unless you think that uh, that honor is too high for you to be called by the Lord's name so that he, he says, I'm with you. My name is with you. My presence uh, is with you as well. What these things picture uh, they, they picture the cross of Christ. And so whatever guilty stain you bring to the Lord, he says, that's why I went to the cross for you. And this is my body. This is my blood that shed for you. It's for you. Take this in. Uh, hear the words. Believe it uh, to be true. And let it be the joy and rejoicing of uh, your heart. Jeremiah had a, a ministry that set him at odds with uh, the people that he was uh that he lived among. Um, the Lord said to him, chapter one, verse nine, the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I've put my words in your mouth. See, I've appointed you this day over nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and break down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build and to plant. And so Jeremiah had a, a ministry that put him at odds with those around him. It was a ministry to pluck up and break down, to destroy and overthrow, and also to build up and to plant. And you have the same ministry if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have the same ministry as well as a church to break down, to pluck up, to destroy everything that isn't built on Christ. Everything that isn't built on the gospel of Christ. That is all wisdom, all righteousness of the flesh, no matter how great 
uh, it is. The Lord Jesus said, Matthew 15, 13, every plant which my heavenly father did not plant shall be uprooted. And so we have a ministry to uproot, to destroy. This is why people don't like it when you give the gospel to them. You're uprooting whatever it is that they're uh, trusting in. And then we also have a ministry to build and plant everything founded on Christ, no matter how small. And the Lord said, uh, a bruised reed he will not break, a smoking flax he will not uh, quench. And so we build up one another as well. Uh, even even one who has faith as a mustard seed. And we, we build up everything that is uh, founded on Christ. So the gospel ministry does both. It does what Jeremiah was told to do in all, all of his ministry, to break down, to destroy, and to build up. It's actually faith alone uh, that does that, that destroys all the works of the flesh and builds up the works of the spirit when it grasps uh, the gospel of Christ. But it puts us at odds with our neighbors. So you need the joy of the Lord in your heart. And it's really the joy, it's the courage that comes from knowing that God is with you because he's told you so in his word. He's reminded you in his word. He's shown you in, a, uh, in many ways uh, in his word uh, that he's with you and you're to uh, take it in you're to eat it. You're to feed on it every day, just like you feed on food and uh, and have courage in order to keep on with this ministry. So when you uh, read your Bible this upcoming year, read for yourself and then read also for others. Read also for others uh, as well. Proverbs 22 verse 17 says, incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. That's what we're to be doing. Uh, every day and apply your mind to my knowledge for it will be pleasant to you if you keep them with you that they may be ready on your lips. It'll be pleasant to you to keep with you and then ready on your lips to give it to others uh, as well. So uh, Jeremiah says, I found your words. I ate it. It became the joy of my heart. He says that for himself. He also says it became like a fire in my bones. I had to give it out uh, to others. And he says that when he says it in chapter 20 of Jeremiah, he says it like a complaint. He says it like an unpleasant thing. Lord, did you, uh, did you trick me in, in uh, calling me into this kind of uh, ministry that your word that brings me all kinds of abuse is like a fire in my bones to give it uh, to others. But with the knowledge that God is with you, with believing that God is with you, that fire in your bones is, is trans, transmuted into a joy. It's transmuted into the life of giving and the overflow of the joy of your heart. So uh, read God's word for yourself this next year. Take joy in the amazing, unbelievable truth that God is with you. And then let that joy overflow to others uh, as well as you minister to them. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is the joy and rejoicing of our heart. Pray that you'd help us to take courage to uh, continue in your word and uh, to continue in the ministry that you've called us to. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.